check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. On this episode, we'll look back at the Hofstra win and we'll preview the full Biggie sleep for the season. Guys, Happy New Year's. How's everyone doing? Good. Doing really well. I'm just glad I somewhat got my voice back at this point. It, okay, uh, there you go. I was, I was, it was a bit of a struggle last week. Oh, I was struggling hard. Uh, New Year's, my voice just started to come back. It was still raspy as all hell, but it's uh, it's back enough. But we're back. We're back. Yeah. Nick, Nick you doing good? Yep. Everything's good on my end. All righty. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, so we did New Year's resolutions last year. Or excuse me, last week. It was Sorry, last Craig. Year. Oh, it was, you know, it, it was last year? Well, it was last year. You know, I wasn't wrong. I was in Puerto Rico. Um, so I can't really, so, you know. It was okay. I was, li- I was living life. He was in, All right. He was in the future. Yeah, that's true. I was, I was an hour ahead. That is true. Um, but you didn't, didn't stay, stay there, there for New Year's, so you weren't yeah. an hour ahead. You, you celebrated New Year's the same time as us. Uh, so my question for you all this week uh, is going to be sports-related and not related to New Year's, but – uh, since all of our teams are eliminated from playoff contention in the NFL, I figured it's maybe a good time to say who we're going to be rooting for. Who will you be rooting for in this NFL playoffs? Obviously, it's field's not finalized yet. There's still one more week, but uh, anybody you know, anybody you think is going to make the playoffs that you're going to be rooting for, Nick, we'll go with you first. I'm rooting for the Lions for sure. The Lions are definitely I mean, they've been awful most of my life, and now they're finally good. So, I'm rooting for them. It's a good pick. I appreciate that. I think a lot of people find themselves rooting for the will find themselves rooting for the Lions, unless you have a reason to hate them, right? I mean, especially I mean, after that two point conversion I got called back last week too. That yeah, that's, that's I was a root for them before that, and now it's just an even more incentive to root for them. Yeah, I mean that that was ridiculous. It was certainly a two-point conversion. The guy even reported. You could see it on TV. It was, it was absurd. All right, Tim, who are you rooting for? It's tough. I'm, uh, I'm stuck between two, really. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I feel like most people that don't have a, a dog in the race anymore, a horse in the race, everyone loves to see the Lions go. They, they've sucked so bad. 0-16, running out the end, back of the end zone. Just so many bad memories. So many bad draft picks. Right. But I also love the idea of Lamar winning one and all the commentators going, he's a black quarterback. How does this happen? So I I, I would love that as well because they won't say it's because he's a black quarterback, but they'll say stuff around, dancing around the statement that he's a black quarterback and they don't think he'll do it. So like I would like that a little bit. Just to see their heads blow up a little bit. Fair enough. The Raiders, I mean, the Ravens have been playing extremely yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, they uh, certainly put it together the past two weeks with Miami and San Francisco. Craig, who do so, you got? I mean, I was in the roof for the Lions. I think that's pretty unanimous across the board, as we said. Uh, the team I'm like especially rooting for, though, and they may not make the playoffs, this might not even happen, is the Houston Texans. Because this was supposed to be a lost season right. for the Texans. Everyone's like, they're going to be annihilated. They're going to be terrible. And here they are, 9-7, and seven, with a real chance to make the playoffs. That's a hell of a story. D'Amico Ryans is doing a great job coaching there. If they make the playoffs, I would be very much rooting for Houston. C.J. Stroud, if he can you know, continue to be healthy yeah. after that being in concussion protocol. Yeah, he's been a stud all year. I think they're they're an interesting team to watch for sure. 
And they listen, they're right in the thick of it. They've got equally a chance of winning the AFC South as either the Colts or the Jags. So it'll be an interesting last week for that. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for the Browns. Uh, you know, they they have had their struggles. Uh, they're great. They're 11 and five, and they're still going to be the five seed just because the Ravens are so good. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll be. You know, they've they've paid their dues. They deserve their their spot in the playoffs, and I think they'll be exciting to watch. They've got a great yeah. defense, and if the, if their wide receivers can be healthy, uh, I also think it would be spectacular to watch Joe Flacco head in to Baltimore mm. for a uh, second round matchup uh, and try to try to, you know, Browns fans also similar team. to Lions fans have suffered for a long time. Oh um, yeah, exactly. But there's also a, a little bonus to this. You got Joe Flacco who abused them throughout the years as the Ravens quarterback, but a former Ravens quarterback that brought a Super Bowl to the Ravens is going to possibly lead the team that lost their team to the Ravens to Super Bowl now. Tim, I'm pretty sure that's what I just said about him walking in there for a round two bye, but I'll take that as being no, no. the same thing. The Browns became the Ravens. Oh. I'm going I'm okay. staying the that you're franchise. You're going all the way back yes. to the franchise level. Yes. Interesting choice. Joe Flacco was not on the team when that happened. I, I know. I appreciate it. But Browns fans lost that great team that they had built that went to Baltimore, continued growing, and won Super Bowl. And now Yeah, but then Baltimore is still salty that they lost the Colts. So they lost the band too. Like they did. The band left in the middle yep. of the night. stuff and left. Great documentary. Yep. Great documentary. All right. Well, none of that has to do with basketball, and that's why we're all here. Yep. So uh, it's we got a lot to get to in this episode. We're going to talk Big East, but it was a light week last week for St. John's basketball. Just one game. A bit of a filler week, if you will. Uh, easy out-of-conference game uh, against Hofstra at UBS Arena. Uh, I would say a solid victory to come away with for St. John's 84 79 uh Nick you were spot on talking about where they would be at halftime uh you said it would be in the four to five range that's exactly where it was but uh I don't think any of us were correct because we had all talked about us pulling away in the second half and that didn't happen Hoffs just stuck around and they made a game of it uh and you know we, we came away with the win but we did have to fight for it for sure just looking at some of the numbers, 43% from the field for us, 33% from three. We talked last week a lot about how that 30% number is key for us. If we're above that, we're most likely in a good place. Uh, I have to point out that they shot 42% from three, which is what really kept them in. They shot 28 threes, and they made 12 of them. That's really why they stuck around uh, as long as they did. They also shot 48% from the field, so they had a great day shooting. Um, we killed it at the free throw line, 80%. We also shot 31 free throws to their seven. Uh, so if you're a Hofstra fan, I'm sure you're really upset about that, and you may have some justification there. Uh, but it was a good night for our starters, uh, particularly Dennis Jenkins, 21 points, nine rebounds for him, eight assists. He was our leading scorer. So, you know, listen, this is a game we've all said, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win, and it didn't always look like that. No, it didn't. They kept hitting, like you said, they shot 28 threes. Uh, they made 12 of them. But they, they heaved up a bunch of shots that you were just like, 
they made, they went in. You're like, how how did he make that? And it was just like the ball was just like bouncing the right way for them and everything. But luckily, we uh, we still held him off. Hofstra is a, a good team and a good program, um, and they've been a, a very solid force for the last few years in a row. I mean, they they've made tournaments. They've they, they've been good, so it's not surprising that they put up a good fight. And and of all the bye games we had, it's definitely the biggest test of the bye game um, non conference schedule. Um, so it's not surprising they have stuck around. And Speedy Claxton is is a good coach. At one point, we talked about him potentially being our coach. Um, but that we got Rick Pacino, which was a better choice. <laughs> but um, <laughs> not not complaining. But but Speedy Claxton was a guy who we really thought might be a guy who was a contender potentially for a job if Rick Pacino wasn't involved. So that just shows you the level of quality that coach they have at Hofstra. We also did have the worst game of the year by Joel Soriano, and still stuck out with having no Ledlam. Joel having his worst game. That front court got really dry really quick and luckily our backcourt held together we did get to see uh, rj luis he's back uh he's got inserts in his, in his shoes now to help with the shin splints he played 29 minutes um it didn't i mean he he did shoot two for 10 but watching those shots they looked very soft uh he didn't look like he was out of shape a lot of them could just went down uh Pretty good game by him. And the fact that in the second half, Dingle got ice cold compared to how he was playing the first half. Yeah. There was a lot of things that we watched as St. John's fans has happened in the, in the past where we have fallen apart in the second half. Our star player hasn't shown up. People got ice cold and we fell apart against a smaller team. It certainly felt like it may be one of those games. And like Nick said, every ball that needed to bounce their way was bouncing their way. Uh, and it, it's you're right, Tim. Soriano's, I mean, he scored 14 points, but having a quieter day, not great rebounding, it felt like, you know, it was ripe for a, well, you know, this could be one of those games. This could be the game this year because we haven't had one where we lost the game where we should have, you know, definitely won, right? Uh so you guys touched on it a little bit, but I want to see what do you think prevented us from pulling away so much? In my opinion, I think their ability to shoot the three is what prevented us from really putting them away because they were willing to take numerous threes uh, and they hit, you know, a, a good percentage of them. So that's what really kept them in the game, in my opinion. But maybe some things that we did that prevented us from pulling away. Craig, what do you think? I definitely think the three-point shot, as you as you said, and, and Coach Patino said that in you know, his early press conferences. You know, if you don't defend the three, it's not a weapon. Um, and they made 12 threes to our seven threes, and that's a huge difference in the end of the 15-point swing. Um, so not to be, be that horse you just brought up, but I, I do think that was the thing that keeps them in the game. That's why they've been successful for years, is that they hit the three-pointer, which is the equalizer for smaller teams. Certainly. Tim, what do you think prevented us from – you kind of touched on it, Soriano not playing well, but anything besides that you think kind of prevented us from pulling away? It just seemed that every time we had the opportunity where we got up by seven, eight, nine, there was just missed shots. And, of course, right at that point, a three was hit by them. It was right. – we'd be up. we miss a free throw with uh, Soriano. 
He missed another free throw. Okay, we're still up. We're up. Lay it by us. Okay, we're up nine. Boom, three by them. All of a sudden, now it's a six-point game. Now they're shooting another jumper. Now they make free throws. It's a four-point game. It, it just – I mean, that's a specific situation where it happened, but during the game, every time we looked like we were about to break away and get that double-digit lead and just start creating that gap, we miss crucial shots. We miss some easier shots. And then they follow up with a three. And it just it prevented yeah. that pull away each and every time. Yeah, the three point was definitely definitely a killer. Nick, what do you think prevented us from pulling away cleanly? I, I got nothing else. I, I think it was a three pointers. And as I said earlier, they were That's just fair. every time they needed a shot, every time they would throw something up and you'd be like, Oh, he's way too far out or oh, he has a hand in his face and bang. And it's just like, Well Well, the good news is we did put them away eventually. Uh, and we were able to continue the lead, and we came I away think, with the victory. I think also so. to Tim, sorry, Vincent, but to, I think no, to no. Tim's point in terms of like they're missing shots and all that. I think part of that is intensity, um, and I think I, I wanted to bring up. I, I don't know that I love playing the two Big East games and then going back to a non-conference bye game. I know we did this is the second year we've had this. You know, if we're going back and playing a non-conference game, like we used to play Duke in February, we used to play UCLA in, in February, in the middle of the conference season, I think that's different because the intensity level is the same because you're playing a power conference team, it's whatever. It's hard for focus-wise to go from playing a UConn, right, where you're there's a huge intensity level, huge Big East level, and then you're like, eh, well, we're going to play Hofstra now. It, it's it, I can see where mentally that – that you know, there's the small things fall away because it is hard to get up for a game like that, especially in the middle of the season. Yeah. Like when it's before, it's it's all pre. It makes sense, but when it's in the middle, not to mention I think it's hard. I know, I personally, not to mention Christmas week yeah. in between New Year's. It's it's an off week anyway. You know, I know there were some games, but not every team played a game. So I, I'm with you on that. I think the timing is bad. I don't I don't love the starting the Big East in December. I think it was really cool when it used to always start on New Year's Day and every team played and that was New Year's, New Year's Eve, yeah. Eve, whichever it fell on. But it was I thought that was really cool. I, I don't like that we've gotten away from that. I don't really see the purpose of getting away from that either. It's not like the schedule has changed. The Big East tournament is still the right. same week. So I, I just I, – I'm with you. I, I don't like it. I also – not for nothing, playing Hofstra in UBS Arena is essentially a home game for them. Yeah. So uh, that's a not little a great bit turnout of a, too in UBS. A, a questionable move. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they didn't have a great turnout. It was turnout quiet. It was about like, seventy five hundred people, I think. Right. You can't say it's unexpected, though, right? I mean, it, again, it's in between Christmas and New Year's. It's a game against Hofstra for St. John. It was a St. John season ticket game. Who's coming out for that? Right. Like, I, with all due respect, I like, you know, it's tough to drive out to UBS too, right? So you're going further than normal on a week where there's not normally a game. And, you know, they're playing Hofstra, like, yeah, I don't know if it's worth it. So, for all those reasons, I think the attendance was low. But We'll see with the rest of the Big East game. We have a couple of Big East games, so let's see how those turn out in terms of intensity level and crowd level and stuff like yeah. that before we make a full judgment on UBS, I think. but That's that's fair. I'm not judging UBS. I, I just think that playing Hofstra there at this time was an interesting choice. Anyway, to wrap up last week, let's look at our Spotlight Player of the Week. This is going to be an interesting one. I'm actually kind of pumped because I, I, Joel Soriano is not going to run away with it this time, I, I believe. I mean, it should, uh, it should be unanimous. Let's be serious. 
Whoa. All right, Tim, first of all, hold your opinions till your time. <laughs> and just for that just for that statement, congratulations. You get to go last. Nicholas, you can go first, sir. Who do you got for your spotlight player of the week? Uh, I'm going with Jenkins, without a doubt. Uh, he he almost right, he, he almost had a triple double, nine rebounds, eight assists, twenty one points. Uh, uh, yeah, he was he was phenomenal all game. He certainly was, Craig. Who's got to be Jenkins to all the points Nick made, and then also he came up so clutch down the stretch, uh, and had you know all his points late in the game really turned the corner and made sure that anytime we were really in trouble of getting close, he took he stopped the bleeding and made sure we kept our lead and and made it to the finish line. You know, I uh, I don't really want to vote for Jenkins just because I want Tim to be wrong. Uh, but I can't say that there's really another reason not to. I will give an honorable mention to R.J. Lewis, who had a double-double, despite the fact that he's only played in such few games. Which I spoke uh, about last week, saying that he had well, a chance to be spotlight. He did, and he almost did if Jenkins hadn't overshadowed him and had nine rebounds and eight assists. So my vote is for Jenkins as well. Tim? Just tell us, just say Jenkins and we can do the vote. Jenkins and all right. the fact they had zero turnovers. Zero turnovers for Jenkins. There you go. Big number yeah, right there. That's, that's huge. huge. Good sneaking nugget. That's a, that's a good one, though, Tim. I like that. All right, 4-0. Dennis Jenkins, congratulations. Spotlight player of the week. Uh, and uh, we that's two yeah. for him, by the way. So he's... He's, he's tied up on Joel Serrano, I believe. No, he's not tied. Is he? No. no. I didn't he's not tied for three. I said sneaking up. Sneaking up. I said it. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're moving up in the standings. Someone's closer to Joel Soriano in the standings. It's good. It's good for our team. All right. Now, with last week in the books, we head into the full slate, I should say, of Big East play. Uh, I know we started two weeks ago, but like we said, there was a little bit of gap. Uh, so obviously we've got two Big East games this week. Before we get into those, let's take a look at the season as a whole. We'll give you our Big East preview uh, and go for there. But before we look at even the Big East preview, let's look at where we sit right now. One and one in conference play because it already started. Nine and four overall on the season. Give you a look at the Big East standings currently. Providence and Villanova, 2-0. and They're the top of the conference. Uh, Marquette is two and one. They actually played a third game, as you can see from their record, uh, in the middle of uh, the week. So they have three games while everybody else has two. And then DePaul has only played one Big East game. Uh, but anyway, a lot of one and one teams: UConn, Butler, St. John's, Seton Hall, Xavier, all one and one. DePaul zero and one, and then Creighton zero and two, shockingly, and Georgetown zero and two, not so shockingly. Creighton has fallen out of the rankings, though they were. They started the season top 10. They're 9-4 and four just like we are, uh, and they find themselves unranked for the first time this season this week. By the way, some respect on the Big E's name. UConn, despite losing to Seton Hall, uh, went up in the rankings. They actually went from 5-4. to four. So I, I appreciate the AP showing respect to us, first of all, because they, they beat us this week, uh, and showing respect to the Big East that, you know, every night's tough, and losing in the Big East doesn't, knock you out of the rankings. I think that bodes well for us for the season going forward. We do have three Big East teams ranked. We've got UConn at four, Marquette at seven, and then Providence down there at 23. Uh, Let's look at our net ranking. I know it's a little early, but we're currently 51 in the net rankings. We did get a boost once we started Big East play two weeks ago. So 51, not a bad spot to be in for us right now. Certainly puts us in a place where at 
when we get to the end of the season, as long as we play well, uh, we should find ourselves in a net ranking high enough to get extra points for that in terms of our blind resume. The Big East has nine teams in the top 90 uh, of the net, so that is going to be lots of opportunities coming up for us in the Big East season. Yeah, there are 18 games left in the season, uh, and, and, you know, facing nine teams in the top 90 gives us a lot of opportunities to build that resume. So I think it's going to be a little bit tough for us this start of the Big East season. The month of January for us uh, has a lot of tough matchups uh, to kick off Big East play. Obviously, uh, this week is Tuesday. We got Butler coming to town. We'll talk to that. We'll talk about that following the preview here. And then Saturday, we're at Villanova. Those two games are, are obviously no joke in themselves. But after that, it gets even tougher. We play Providence, Creighton, Seton Hall, Marquette, Villanova, Xavier, and UConn all in a row. So, like, from January 2nd really till February 3rd, which is the whole month of January, it's game after game after game of meaningful, tough basketball. And, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in that time. We're certainly not going to start off, you know, I know we've lost already, but we're, we're not going to start off at, like, 8-1, and one, right? Or if we do, it's going to be an incredible run right. here. Yeah. Uh, Never know. But, you know, the toughest we'll part five. of our schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The toughest part of our schedule is this month. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see how we respond to that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think whenever you play a tough section of your schedule, it really can determine the outcome of, of where you finish. Right, because, I mean, not only do we have the ranked teams on the schedule, but even some of the more teams that are kind of in the mix with us, we're on the road, right? So we play at Villanova, we play at Creighton, at Seam, right? So it's at Xavier. Those are those are tough games. So, yeah. Um, I think it'll make or break, you know, make or break us a little bit, but the, you know, we'll see where we're at. Yeah, the and the good news is February uh and, and the very beginning of March lighten up. <laughs> you know? Well, if you have a hard so, part, you got to have an easy part, right? Yeah. You know, I think that's that's where you get the trade-off because as hard as this next month is going to be, the hope is that you keep yourself in place so that way when you hit February, uh, and with the ex- exception of the back-to-back at Marquette at Providence, which is a nightmare for us, uh, you know, you've got a game stretch there at the end where there really isn't a game we should probably lose. Yeah, no, finishing the season with Seton Hall, Georgetown, Creighton, Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown is uh, that's a nice like that's a nice month right there to end the season. Oh, absolutely. And listen, Creighton's tough, but Creighton's at home, like you talked about, Craig. We're not on the road. We're at home that time. So, you know, looking at where Creighton is at this point in the season, you say, "Eh, actually, that's a game you can get. You know, and if it's a game you get, that's a game that puts you closer, better positioning the Big East, and more likely to make the tournament. Look, if we're going to make the tournament, we have to win good – we have to beat good teams. Uh, Creighton at home is a good opportunity for that. Um, you know, some of the road games are difficult. Look, there's no easy night in the Big East, let's be completely honest. Um, No. Even though we say it's the quote-unquote easy part of our schedule, it's not going to fly through it. There's going to be – it's their battles. Every night's a battle in the Big East. I mean, mean, especially Butler. Butler is 10-3 and on the season. Uh, Their only losses are to FAU, Michigan State, and then uh, whoever they lost to in the Big East. They're – they're not a terrible team, even though we look at them like, you know, they're just Butler. 
Now they got pa- they got Pasha Alexander now at the helm, so you know they're not that's bad. That's true. That's true. Well, I think they're a surprising team for sure. I think Butler's one of those teams that we're going to really fight with in terms of position for the tournament. Yeah, um, 100%. I mean, if I just looked at Joe Lenardi put out bracketology, which he's not the best bracketologist, but whatever, he he's the one easiest one to look at. He has them as the last four, first four out, and we're the next four out. I mean, yeah. the, the importance of those Butler games are going to be massively important when they're comparing resumes in the season. Just like, you know, I think Providence is probably in that same category. Seton Hall is in that same category. Uh, Xavier, you know, that's why winning, being at home, at home, big, was big for us. It's huge for us. You know what I mean? Those are the teams we have to beat. The middle to pack of the team, if we beat up on those teams and steal a couple from the, the teams that were are ranked higher than us, then we'll, we'll be in great shape come, come tournament time. All right, so what do you think is our single toughest matchup the rest of the way? You got to pick one game. At Providence. Providence right. is uh, – I was I was watching the game the other day, and they said Providence has had the most home wins or something like that out of all, all the programs in the last, like, five seasons or something like that. That's wild. Well, I mean, listen, Providence <laughs> is good at home. I mean, obviously they're under a new new coach, but that hasn't seemed to affect them. Twenty three in the country right now. Uh, Craig, who do you think our toughest matchup will be? I want to pick two, but you know I always like to do that. Oh wow, Sean! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think at Creighton is going to be a very difficult game because while they're not playing good right now, they're st- still a p- pretty good team. They should be a very good team. And it's still and, nine and four, and and we've struggled in Omaha. At, just oh, as a program, we struggled in Omaha. So that's a tough place to play. The other one I'm going to say is I think UConn at home. I think it's a game there's going to be a lot of pressure, especially with uh, Patino saying that next year we're not playing at the Garden, we're going to play at Karnaseka. I think that one's going to be a, an intense environment, which is going to be a huge game. Yeah, I, I agree that's going to be a huge game. Also, love it. Love it from Rick Patino. Just spectacular. <laughs> 100%. Play them in Carnesecca. If we could play them in Tafner, uh, you know, if we could find the high school in Jamaica, Queens, and play them there uh, and sell no tickets to UConn's fans. I do think Rick should have withheld that information just because Danny Hurley, I'm sure, is going to bitch and moan about it and the UConn fans are going to cry about it. Uh, but I, I love the move. I think it's absolutely gold. Yeah, I mean, look, look, when it's your home court, you get to decide who plays on it. Absolutely. Imagine the UConn fans absolutely. trying to take the subway to – <laughs> and then, oh, and then do the walk. No shot. <laughs> They're gonna get lost. Yeah. Uh, they they might end up in actual Jamaica. <laughs> Sam, who do you think our toughest matchup is? I think it's gonna be going to the drunkest state, state and one of the drunkest cities. Going to Milwaukee, going to play Marquette. Uh, Marquette's got a lot of buzz. Their fans are loud. The team is really good. The team has who I think is the second best coach in the Big East. With Shaka Smart, so yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, that's a tough one. And he defends uh, really well too. Did you see the video of him defending on court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. <laughs> he gets real low. Uh, I, I, Tim, I'm, I'm sort of in line with you. I think at Marquette is going to be the toughest matchup. They're the best team. Although I, I will say, uh, I could see us throwing a throwing up a goose egg uh, in that February 28th matchup at Butler. We've historically not been great at Hinkle. Uh, and obviously we play Butler this week, but I could see, you know, depending on what happens this week, Pasha Alexander maybe getting some revenge if he doesn't get it now at home in Hinkle. 
Uh, so I think that one could be a little tough for us. And that'll be a big point for seeding. So, all right, now we've kind of looked through the schedule. Let's get some predictions going. Where, do, uh, Craig, focus. Okay, focus in on me here. Because this is this is the only questions I want answered. I can't right? pick two. I don't. I, no, no. I don't. I know no picking two and no answering other questions. All I right. I want to know where we finish in the Big East and how far we go in the Big East tournament. That's it. Okay. As Craig answers, Jane Glover, freshman of the year next year. <laughs> yeah, I, that's it. You know, I, I we, we don't need anything come else. To me first. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm not coming to you first. No, no. You don't get to talk first. You, well, I'm just you, telling you. Oh, you're just I'm telling you now. Right? Because I know you're going to say it incorrectly. Oh, it sounded like you were okay. laying it up for It did turn out like you were laying I'm, it up for me. I'm not going to lie. But, it, it, it did, except I, you know, we've done this show before, and I know Craig is going to answer with three different things I didn't ask. So I just wanted to mentally prepare him <laughs> so he knew what was coming. But, Nick, you get to go first. Well, I'm honored. Um, I don't know. I think we're either going to finish sixth or seventh in the Big East. Um, and then I think we win the first game in the Big East tournament, but then we lose the second game. So in, in classic right. St. John's fashion. So you're saying we lose on yeah, Thursday? Yeah, we lose on Thursday. We don't make it to Friday. Nick, Nick, despite the Rick Pitino, Nick doesn't ah, buy into the Rick Pitino. But I'm here for it, but I, hey, I hope I'm wrong. He, he holds steady. All right, Tim, what do you got? I think we're finishing third. Wow, all right. Well, I'm thinking of it this way. I think top two are going to be Marquette and Connecticut in that order. I think as long as we don't have any major injuries, I think we outplay Providence. I think we split one-on-one against Providence. And then I I personally feel like we have a good matchup against Nova this year in play styles. And then the games that we usually blow it, now we have a Hall of Fame head coach writing this team. So that's why I think we end up finishing third and make it to Friday. Make it to Friday. We lose on Friday. Yeah. Some bad bad calls. Bad calls, as always. Craig, what do you think? All right. So my player of the year (laughs) candidate is. Um, I think we (laughs) wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked. I think I think we finished fourth. I I think we. I think uh, Marquette, UConn. And I think Creighton right to ship. I think they finish ahead of us. Um, but I think we finish fourth. I think we make it to Friday, losing a heartbreaker, and that's where we're at. It's just the, I like that you had to add the heartbreaker <laughs> in there, really, just to rub it, rub salt in the wound. Well, because you know the Big East tournament, you know what happens. I mean, like, look, I've seen this movie before. I agree. I think, and there's a new director. There's a new director, so I'm hoping there's a different ending. Look, I hope I'm wrong. Oh, we win the well, I, think Let's be I think we finish fifth, and I think but we win the Big East tournament because Rick Pitino wow. has that big Rick energy, and he's just, just going to come to Madison Square Garden and say, you know what? Fuck it. Let's win this thing. He brings Louie on the no court. Doubt. We won't be sweating I mean, it. Won't be sweating it on Selection Sunday. We'll be sitting there with our Big East tournament trophy. Like, waiting to hear where we get to go. I hope so. Um, I'm here for it. Hey, yeah. listen, I'm, I'm you know, I'm hopeful. Look, I'm hopeful. Uh, all right, so that's where we see ourselves in the Big East. Before we get to any of that, uh, we got to look at this week. Uh, we got two Big East matchups to start. First one is a home game against Butler. Uh, this game, eight thirty on Tuesday. 
on Fox Sports 1. Butler, like we talked about, 10-3 and three on the year, coming in, having a good season. A little bit of a surprise team. You know, I, I, no one really expected them to be where they're at at this point or be in the top half of the Big East, but that's where they find themselves. Uh, as Nick mentioned, their only losses were to a ranked Michigan State, a ranked FAU, and Providence before they got ranked. So very good losses on the season for them. Uh, besides that, they've handled everybody. As we all know, Posh Alexander, it is the return for Posh. He plays every game and plays lots of minutes. Uh, so you're going to see him a lot in a Butler uniform, which will be strange. Uh, he leads the team in assists. He leads the team in steals. Not much of a surprise there because he's a phenomenal player. Uh, nothing but respect for Posh. Averaging 10 points a game as well. Not their leading scorer though. Pierre Brooks is their leading scorer. He averages just under 17 a game. Uh, and Jamil Telford is their other uh, second leading scorer, I should say, just under 15 points a game for him. He also averages three assists, a uh, pretty good three point shooter as well. Those are the two guards that they will be, you know, keeping an eye out on uh, Andre screen is their center. He averages seven a game, five rebounds. Obviously he's who Joel Soriano will be matched up against. Hopefully Joel bounces back from that rough Hofstra game. Andre screen seven foot one. So Soriano's going to have him have a handful with him. It's not his first time going against seven footer, but still, still noteworthy for sure. Yeah. Every time he goes up against somebody who's seven foot, obviously he's taller than him. Uh, it, it's seen as a big battle and, yeah, screen's been good for Butler. He's part of the reason they're ten and three. So it'll be interesting to see that matchup. Butler's also the highest scoring team in the Big East right now. So it'll be interesting to see how the up and down pace that we like to play plays into how their scoring goes. So different than Butler teams in the past. A lot of times Butler's not a high scoring team, but this year high scoring team. Along those same lines, we've obviously struggled on defense at times, not recently, but in parts of this season. So what do you see? as our defensive recipe for success against this Butler team, who is such a high-powered offense? Um, I would say we just got to box out. I feel like a lot of the times we lose out on rebounds because we don't box out. We all jump up and try to go up for the rebound rather than sinking to a body and actually boxing out. You know, it's funny looking at their stats. They really middle the pack in terms of taking three-point shots and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of interesting to see where we're going to – they don't turn the ball over that much. They're about average at that. So it's like question is where where are we on the edges? Where can we take advantage of that? Um, I think pushing our pace is what it is, and I think we have to play connected defense the way we've played the last few games. Um, we just need to be connected, and you got to watch out for Posh because you know Posh is going to try to show out, and, and he's going to try – he's home. For him, he's going to feel back comfortable at Connor Seca. Um, I think he's going to – the key to the game is going to be making sure Posh is not Posh, which, you know, was hard to do, especially when he gets it, uh, when he gets going. I mean, I think one of the big things for us is going to see if Ledlam will be back. He is practicing with that sprained ankle. It's not high ankle sprain, so there's a lot less uh, time to actually rehab from it. We talked about screen, but – Screen being a seven footer doesn't play as much as Jalen Thomas, their leading rebounder. He's six ten. He'll probably start. He'll be the guy that will be taking on the most. And then he's also a better defender, better blocker. Our front court 
did not show up the way we wanted to against Hofstra, who was playing almost all guard. Actually, was playing all guards besides Silas Sunday. We need to make sure that our front court shows out. Uh, pretty much, if we are getting in foul trouble early with uh, Joel, we got to make sure Zuby's playing well, and then utilize RJ Luis a lot. Yeah, I mean, between Screen and Thomas, I think you know it's going to be interesting to see how Joel plays, particularly since he's coming off a not great performance. Uh, and like you said, not having Wedlam could certainly play a bit of a thing there. Should be an interesting one, certainly an important one for us in the grand scheme of things further down the line. Uh, you know, I think we could look back at this game and go, ah, we missed an opportunity if we don't come away with a win. Uh, or we could say that Butler win helped us, um, you know, get I think it's a game we need we to win. I think it's a game we desperately need to win. Well, I mean, like we al- talked almost about every home game. Level. Yeah, almost every home game is a game you need to win. Uh, I, I, uh, but, you know, I, I, I see your point. I just, you know, I think. I think. I, I don't know how good Butler. Listen, Butler's having a great start to the year. I'm not taking away from that. Uh, I, I don't know how good they actually are. So, you know, you, if, if they fall off, then, you know, I, I think it's I tough think... to say this game is a, you know. I think either way, if they if they end up worse than we they are now, we have to beat them at home. And if they end up the same pack of where we're at, it'll be important in terms of seeding and appearing in terms of the tournament and all that stuff. I don't think they're going to end up much higher than us. They could. So I think in any scenario they could, but I don't. But even if they're much higher than us at home, you still want to take that shot. I just think that this is an important measuring stick game. I think we need to win it. Well, I mean, we need to win them all, but I think <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I mean that's good the goal, right? But I think I think this will be an important thing. It'll be interesting to see Pasha's return. Uh, that game Tuesday again at Carter Second. Our other game this week is at Villanova. We'll take the trip to Philadelphia. Villanova uh, coming in nine and four, just like we are. However, they're two and zero in conference. This game one o'clock on Saturday on Fox. Uh, this is a big game. I mean, I, I know, Craig, you just emphasized the Butler game being big. I actually think the Villanova game is bigger. Uh, just to give you some numbers for Villanova, Eric Dixon, a familiar face, leads the team in scoring just under 15 a game. He also averages six and a half rebounds, shooting a nice 48% from the field. So he's deadly, as we all know. Uh, Tyler Burton, their leading rebounder, averages eight a game. primarily who Joel Soriano will have to deal with, as we typically note. So those are the two, you know, who Joel will face off with, and then their two, their other leading scorer, I should say. So I I know you just came off talking about how important the Butler game is. Do you think this Villanova game is a must-win game? Because I actually do. I I think Villanova is a team who is going to be exactly in the same point as us come at the end of the year. And even though this is an away game, I think if we want to be a team who's going to make the tournament and who's going to succeed in things like the Big East tournament, this is a must-win game for us. For me, putting us as a prediction of third place in the Big East, this is a game where we have to win by six, seven points. And we don't want to be in a free-throw shooting contest with, with this team. you got several people who shoot in the high 80s. We do not want to get in a close game at the end with their free throw shooting. So, 
I think it's I think it's I, going to show what kind of team we are. I would say I disagree. Um, I think it's an important opportunity for us. If it was at home, a hundred percent agree. Because at Villanova, I think there's less. If we lose at Villanova, we can still split with Villanova, and that still puts us in a good standing. So, look, it it would be great to win. Obviously, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but um, and I think the team we can beat. I don't think I don't think the Villanova this year is the Villanova of like old, where it's like wow, this yeah, is no, be a tough not. thing. I think it's a team we can. I think we can win the game. I, I have a full confidence we can win the game. I just don't know the importance of it because I think Villanova. I have that, you know. I guess I have tied with Villanova, but I think we can still split. I think Villanova's team we probably end up splitting with anyway. So if we lose the road game, to me, it's not as much of a big deal. Whereas Butler, I feel like is a team we need to sweep. So that's why I need to make we need and it's a home game, so we have to win the home. See, game. the thing is though, the Villanova twenty six. This is a quad one opportunity. That's going that's going to remain a quad one opportunity, in most likely, I should say, unless Villanova falls off the map regardless of what happens. So like this yes, is a this true. is a quad one opportunity not like the home game against Butler for example, Butler 59 in the net rankings. That easily could fall to a quad two game. Well, I mean it already is a quad two. I I understand that, but my point is Butler can can go up and go down and it could fluctuate whereas the, sure. the Villanova game is going to forever be a quad one opportunity. Well, that's why I think, and I, in terms of importance, if you can't, you, it's a game you can't lose to Butler. That's fair. I just, I that's why I think Villanova is a must-win. Anyway, Nick, what do you think? Um, I'm not. I mean, listen, I if if we're gonna be uh if we're gonna be a real contender, we got to win this game, and we got we got to win both games, frankly. Um, but I think I, I'm not sure whether it is or is not a must-win game, right? Because you could kind of call everything a must-win game, but. I think this is going to be a very good measuring stick. I know you said this earlier, Vincent, but Butler and Villanova are two teams that we're going to be fighting with. As you guys all have been saying, we're going to be fighting with them all season about for, for placement in the Big East tournament. These next two games, one home, one away, it's going to give us a, a real test of how we're going to fare in the Big East going forward, I think. That's that's fair. What do you think? What do you, Give us a prediction for the week, Nick. What what do we go? One and one, zero oh and two, two and zero. Oh. I think we're go- I think we're going two and zero, oh, baby. Uh, I think we're taking like them both. The positivity, Tim. Same for me. I think it's gonna be a two and zero oh week. Yeah. Two and zero, oh. Craig. I think two and zero. Oh. Wow. Yep. I do. I feel. I like I said. I didn't think it's the most win, but I think we. I yeah. think we beat the Villanova team. I think Villanova's low up and down. New year, new me. Are you gonna make it unanimous? I like the positivity. What do you think? Me? I, yeah. I think we go one and one, but I like your positivity. Ah. Come on. I don't like your negativity. It's not negativity. It's realism. Uh, I think we beat Butler at home, uh, but we don't get the win at Villanova. But, hey, we still got to play them, so I guess we'll see it. That's why they play the game. That's exactly why they play it. All right. That'll do it. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.